The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, we always say, whose house? Now we say, whose trophy? Okay. I can't say enough about this team, the resiliency, the mental toughness, Super Bowl champs. We'll never, ever get old. Let's go! I didn't even know it was fourth down. I feel like a bad player for that, but you know what? At the same time, I'm damn happy to be standing up here with you guys celebrating. Five years ago, I was told I was a little too old. And I was told that maybe my time was done. Bet on yourself, because five years later, I'm holding this trophy up and I'm 40 years old. I've been having a little fun tonight, so if I stir my words, I apologize. But we dreamed this for so long, man. So to be living it right now with you guys in L.A., what? So in honor of the shirt, F them picks. We'll use them to go win more Super Bowls. All right, I'm a little confused. I'm a little confused. Oh, look at you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait a damn minute. Wait a damn minute. Here's what I was going to say. I couldn't tell whether that one minute we just saw was a montage from today's Rams celebration or a a preview of the next cold open of the latest edition of Saturday Night Live. I'm not sure which it was. But you threw me. You threw me. Oh, my God. You got the Rams uh, hoodie. With the old oh, school yeah. logo, which is far, which is far better, far better than the current logo for a variety of reasons. You got the Jalen Ramsey jersey in the back, signed by Jalen himself. I may have had something to do with that. And uh, wow, wow, your Browns fans, fellow Browns fans, are very disappointed in you, Miles. I'm going to report you to my niece. Why? You you always call them my Los Angeles Rams, Mike. So they are my Los Angeles Rams today. They're celebrating, you know, winning a trophy a few miles down the road down there at the Coliseum. Wow. I decided that I would bring the celebration of my former employer to our program today here at PFTPM. Hey, you're not getting a ring. It's too late. You had your no, chance. I know. You could have stayed. You I have no, gotten a ring. I, no, 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 no. I have, a, I have a ring. I have a loser ring. We got a ring for the NFC Championship in 2018. That's enough for me. Yeah, okay, sure it is. Um, <laughs> do they give you a real ring? Do they give you a real ring, or is it just like a scaled-down ring? It's, it's, it's as real as they told me it was. So, I, I mean, I could go I mean, get is it. it. The same ring, is it the same ring that the players get, or is it like Ring Junior? I'm just curious. I'm not, it, trying, to, mine, I'm not trying to the, cast aspersions. It sounds like you are a little bit, but that's okay if you no. are. I mean, I don't I mean, you know. It's, no, I'm just it's, curious. About, it's about the same ring that, that they got. I, frankly, I don't really know if it's quite exactly the same. I think that there should have a few more diamonds because I didn't do anything to get that ring except like be in the right place at the right time and write some articles and talk about some stuff on some videos and podcasts. But, you know, I'll take it. It has my name on it. It's really cool. Well, uh, I, you really threw me. You really <laughs> threw me. 
And uh, well done. Well done. I'm sure the Rams are very happy for your support. In the event things don't work out here at PFT, the door may be open. It's right down the road from your place in Santa Monica. And we finally met in person. We're burying the lead here. After all this time, a year and a half of working together, uh, uh, two years of working together, we finally met in person. It was, and I'm trying to say this with no sarcasm, it really was a delight. It really was a delight to meet you. Well, that's very nice, Mike. Yeah, I know. We were right there at halftime. Me and Josh Oppel were bopping during the entire halftime show, which was great, by the way. And then also we learned that we were about the same height and to what might be the surprise of our viewers and listeners, neither of us are short. All right. So you can just put that to bed right there. Well, when I finally met Maria Taylor the day before the Super Bowl during rehearsal, she said, first of all, oh, my God, you have legs. And second of all, you're actually a human being like you have legs and you're and you're tall. And uh, so it was the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. I'll take that. Um, but we're both about 5'11 ish, right? Yeah. 5'11 yeah. between 5'11 and six foot. I haven't begun to shrink yet. I haven't started yet. Oh. I, I And I don't drink milk or I eat some cheese. Maybe that gets me calcium. So I need to start worrying about shrinking. But for now, I'm between 5'11 and six feet and hope to stay there for a while. Well, I hope you do, too. But, I mean, I always say six feet because if you say you're not six feet on a dating app, you know, if I'm on Hinge and I say 5'11", that means everybody's going to think, well, you might not, but some of us are still single and childless, Mike. So we, you know, at least would like to say, have at least somebody say like, oh, this person is tall enough. Right. But if you say 5'11", that means you think you're like 5'9". If you say six feet, you're probably like 5'11". What? On your dating what you app. Are, are you actually saying you have a real Rams <laughs> loser ring, not the Rams loser ring junior? Do you round up there too? I should probably, but I don't usually <laughs> tout that. Maybe I need to start. What I don't say is I work for PFT because I don't want anybody to associate me with you on something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to do that. You're better off saying that you work with PFT Commenter, I think, than work with PFT. <laughs> yeah, oh, well. True. They had a parade today. They had a parade today. Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford was in his cups a little bit, as they say. Uh, I think that's the most I've ever heard him speak, In right. uh, even though there was a little, uh, not quite slurring, but you could tell he was in that, that twilight before the slurring begins, which I'm very familiar with. Oh, me too. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he seemed to be having a great time, as he should, as they all should. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those special things and special moments where you just don't get it all the time, you know? And also, I think it, it's a good showcase for what the Rams have been starting to build in L.A. And you know, I see the comments online and all this and that, like, oh, they don't have any fans. This, this, this. Like, well, they were gone for 20 years. And really, you could say they were gone for even more because they moved out of Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, I think in 1979-1980, went down to Anaheim and played in Los Angeles and really a generation, maybe a generation and a half. So... There were fans, you know, I was watching the broadcast here from home, and there were fans from all over the place, people who drove driven hours from the Inland Empire to get down there. And it was a pretty special day. So, yeah, Tom Brady saying mix in a water Matthew Stafford after uh, Stafford was talking there at the podium. I, I would agree with what Tom Brady had to say. Make sure you mix in a water every now and then. We played the video earlier today of Brady from last year. Sims firmly believes he was smoking weed that day, too. That that walk wasn't just tequila. 
that that walk was a little marijuana as well for Tom Brady. So I don't know how that meshes with the TB12 method, but nevertheless. The Rams, the shots we saw there, the crowd was bigger than some of the pictures I saw. And some of the pictures may have been misleading. It wasn't an overwhelming Kansas City Chiefs crowd. The pandemic is still happening, although most people in LA didn't seem to get the memo based on the nine days I was out there. But okay. they didn't expect a big crowd. That's why they did a 1.1-mile route. They didn't expect yeah. a huge crowd. And it looks like maybe the crowd was moving along with them. Just walk the route mm-hmm. with the bus, right? If there isn't a big crowd, you could just have you can have just this swarm that follows you for the 1.1 miles. And it looks like maybe some of that was going on. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what I saw when I was watching it here. You know, they kept going from helicopter shots. And you could see people moving down. Figueroa as they were going down and then getting into uh, Christmas tree lane right there by the Coliseum. So it was a good event for all those people who really, really care about the Rams and who have the flexibility and the ability to get downtown uh, to USC's campus on a random Wednesday afternoon and, and enjoy in that and take part in that celebration. Les Snead, the GM of the team, and I'm going to say the architect, but not really the architect because I think Sean McVay calls the shots there, even though he doesn't go front and center with it. He's got final say, I I believe. But Les Snead, the guy who gets the credit for everything they've done, wearing the F them pick shirt, although he didn't say F, to the Super Bowl parade. Uh, We probably have it with the keyword blurred out, but the, the... Chris Sims' favorite word is on the front of the shirt. And, and look, it was an all-in strategy, and it worked. Now, he says they're going to keep doing it. Um, the problem is you, you, there's a limit to how much you can do it because there's only so many picks you can trade. You, you, they, they, they haven't used a first-round pick since Jared Goff, right, in 2016? Correct. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Is that the last year? Yeah. And, and yes. they're the Obama administration. through 23. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're committed through 23. So they won't, yes. they, I guess they could trade their 2024 first rounder this year for something, but you know, they're kind of tapped out as it goes uh, in the category of first round picks. Well, not only that, but you I mean, look at later round picks too. still early, right? You know, they traded that too as a part of the thing or the deal from Von Miller. So they're going to need some comp picks, which they're expecting to get, not just from um, Brad Holmes, who's the former director of college scouting, for the LA Rams going to the Detroit Lions and becoming their GM. They have another compensatory pick coming for that, but they also lost some free agents last year. Guys like John Johnson, they're going to get some comp picks for that too. So it, it all comes back to what is the scouting strategy? They've done a good job of getting guys in the low rounds who can contribute. Nick Scott is one of those guys, you know, the great trivia question or trivia answer to the question of who intercepted Tom Brady for the last time. Well, that's probably as long as Tom Brady doesn't come back going to be Nick Scott, who's a seventh round safety for the LA Rams that got drafted, I believe in 2019. So that's somebody that they've drafted, developed, and now you're starting to see the fruits of that. So they're going to have to continue to do that in order to perform at a high level and in order to really get back to being able to win another Super Bowl. The question of whether or not Aaron Donald will be back or Sean McVay will be back or both will be back was front and center today. Here's McVay commencing a run it back chant directed at Aaron Donald, but the message also is directed in a roundabout way at McVay himself. Here's McVay. Aaron, Sean McVay just tapped me on the shoulder. He wanted to know if you were interested in running it back. Run 
Run it back, run it back, run it back, run it back, run it back. Give it up for Aaron Donald. What a stud. Everything. We, we, we built the super team. We can bring the super team back. Why not run it back? We can be world champions. Yeah! Yeah, you know what? I'm not taking any of that as binding. That's what you say when you've been drinking a little bit and you get caught up in the moment. That is not an official announcement as far as I'm concerned that Aaron Donald is going to be back. That's just what you have to say in that moment. When the dust settles, he may have a different opinion altogether. That's how I interpret that. That is not by any means an official announcement that he'll be back. Well, imagine if he'd said, like, nah, I think I'm done, guys. Like, what all the crowd has done there? Like, like, oh, my God, he's done? What is, it? what is happening? Yeah, no, I don't, think, I don't think any of that is binding there at all. You know, it's just yeah. the way that things are going to work out. And it's especially when Sean McVay grabs the mic from J.B. Long, who's the voice of the Rams, and shout out to him for trying to keep order within all the chaos that was on that stage during that rally. I mean, if, if some if your head coach is screaming at you, run it back like that, and the crowd's screaming at what? What are you supposed to say about that? But yeah, I think you're right. When the dust settles, things may change a little bit. Now, Kevin Demoff, the Rams COO, said that Sean McVay will be back. I don't know that they've negotiated a new contract with him that quickly, or if Stan Kroenke just gave him a blank check. I don't know, but I really do think. This curiosity was driven by the reality that McVay deserves more than whatever he's getting. I don't know the specifics because the best coaches, the highest paid coaches, get money from different buckets. So the official number is always lower than it really is to help them, frankly, frankly, help the oligarchs collude when it comes to the entry level head coaching pay. You don't want the high end to be so high that it pushes up the bottom. But whatever it may be, McVay deserves more. And nothing wrong with being coy about your future if ESPN is going to come along and offer you almost as much as you're currently making to go work a hell of a lot less and strike that work-life balance a lot more easily than you otherwise would, especially since you're off from February until August if you are working for ESPN as a weekly game analyst. So we'll see how that plays out as well. We, we saw that Zach Taylor got his extension. We'll talk about that in a minute. We need to hear that Sean McVay is getting his extension before we know that it's done for him. And for Aaron Donald, I think it's going to linger. And one way to keep Aaron Donald around, Miles, I believe, is to, is to give him a raise over the $18 million in change he's due to make over the next three years, all of which are non-guaranteed. And I don't think he wants to be traded, although one thing that is very real, Pittsburgh and L.A. are two different planets, frankly, and he's a Pittsburgh guy. Not that he's trying to get back to Pittsburgh or close to Pittsburgh. Maybe he'd like to play for the Browns. But... Uh, it's just a long way away, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. You just got to ask yourself, at age 30, after eight years of doing it, do you want to keep doing it to yourself? How much longer are you going to do it to yourself? And can you really motivate yourself to go climb the mountain you just spent eight years trying to reach the pinnacle of? I, the thing about Aaron Donald is that, you know, he just only knows football. He knows how to work. He knows how to know. He knows how to work out early in the mornings in order to get himself ready for those kinds of things. And, you know, at age 30... I, I can see him in some ways starting to walk away from that and starting to think, okay, what is the rest of my life going to look like? Because I've been working up toward this since, you know, I was a little chubby when I was, you know, in middle school and it's getting into high school. And my father told me, hey, we're going to start working out every day. And we started working out in the basement. And, you know, there's still those weights. And sometimes when he goes back to Pittsburgh, he still works out in the basement of his dad's house. It's like that's what he's been doing practically his entire life, trying to work up for something like this. So now I, I, I really do feel like he's still got more to do. 
right? He's already one of these guys that's a walk-in Hall of Famer, and I've been seeing you talk about it. You know, maybe he's one of those guys that should be kind of the only people that's in the Hall of Fame where it's just no doubt and there's no debate. It's just, yeah, this is one of the greatest to ever play the game, and he's in, like, that special section of whatever it is. He's already done that, right? But... You know, if he continues at the level he's at, and there's no reason to believe that he's not going to be at that kind of level, then he really could get into the conversation as the greatest defensive player of all time if he's not really in that conversation already. Because at this point, for me, and I know part of it's recency bias, but it's like there's him, there's Lawrence Taylor. And I would tell him to him, like, Aaron Donald's the greatest I've ever seen. So, I mean, he's already that. I don't know how much more there is left for him to accomplish, but if he wants to keep doing it, we know that he can go out and still dominate. Well, and look, the reality is that uh, he can continue to play at a high level. What else are you going to do if you don't? You're 30 years old. What's (laughs) your next step if you walk away from the thing that you're so good at? But there's a lot of factors that go into it, and I think one of the very real factors is whether or not he's getting fairly compensated for what he's continuing to do. And we saw him yes. unafraid to take a stand. He held out uh, multiple yes. times until he got the contract that he deserved. And uh, it worked out for him. But now he's on the back end of a deal. It was front-loaded, but $18.5 million or thereabouts, not nearly close to what a guy like him should be getting as he has the last few years of his prime. And I won't bet against a guy like that. He may figure out how to, how to keep playing at that level late into his 30s, although father time is undefeated. And we've been spoiled by Tom Brady in recent years. For most guys, especially the ones that play the physically demanding positions, things start to, to come apart 32, 33, 34. So now's the time for him to grab what he can, especially if that effort, start the engine every year and do it again every year. It starts to wear on you after a while. So we'll see what he does. Yeah. We know that Kevin O'Connell is officially gone from the L.A. Rams. I made folks in Minnesota very nervous yesterday when I suggested that there may be a Josh McDaniels outcome. But, hey, it wasn't done until it was done. And they finally announced today that Kevin O'Connell is the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, succeeding Mike Zimmer. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I'm not, I don't want to say it was dicey, but until it was announced, anything could have happened. And I was keeping my eye on the possibility that Sean McVay does decide to leave and St. Kroenke just gives that money to Kevin O'Connell instead. But that didn't happen. So he will be introduced tomorrow as the new head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, they'll, they'll expect him to, to do in Minnesota what Sean McVay has done in Los Angeles, even though Kevin O'Connell never called the plays. Hopefully he learned something from watching and listening to Sean McVay so he can get it done. Well, I would say it's not just replicating what Sean McVay has done in L.A., but you'd also look at something like what Zach Taylor has done with Cincinnati, right? I mean, Zach Taylor was hired after the Rams made it to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots there in Super Bowl 53. He was the quarterback's coach. He wasn't calling plays either. So then he goes and kind of implements that offense in Cincinnati, and now we see three years later that they just made it to the Super Bowl. So obviously you don't you want it to take as little time as possible right so you you don't want to necessarily go through those lean years like Zach Taylor had the first two years if you're somebody like Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Dofaminsa and the Wolves right you you want to make sure that thing is going as quickly as possible but I mean I think that there is reason to believe that Kevin O'Connell can come in there he can do a good job he's worked with Kirk Cousins before in Washington was his quarterback's coach there 
So it's not like they're starting anew with a new relationship. They probably already speak the same football language. They know how to communicate with each other. And if Kirk Cousins is going to be the quarterback there, then that's something that's really important because that QB head coach relationship is really, really vital to any sort of success that the Minnesota Vikings could possibly have. And they got a lot of work to do, a lot of questions to answer about their roster. And the good news is they're in the NFC. And right now, especially if Tom Brady stays retired, who the hell knows? Aaron Rodgers leaves the NFC for the AFC, who the hell knows? But the NFC could become more wide open, easier for the Rams to get back to the Super Bowl, easier for some of these other teams to get to the Super Bowl. The problem is the team that you face in the Super Bowl is going to be pretty damn good because it will have been proven in the fires of the AFC postseason. First, you got to get there. There's going to be good teams left out next year. And then you got to navigate your way to the top, which is not going to be easy. And I know the, the Bengals are feeling very confident about their chances, but look around that conference. Look around your division. It's not going to be easy. One last point on the Vikings before we move forward. Jim Harbaugh, who interviewed for the job a couple of weeks ago, didn't get it, seemed to think he was going to get it. Something went kaflooey there, went back to Michigan, agreed to a new five-year contract that runs through the 2026 season. And as always, the only thing that matters is the buyout language. I think that he's going to be interested in leaving again after this year. He wants to win a Super Bowl. The comments he made after he decided to stay put were laughable from the standpoint of how he regards a national championship in comparison to a Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is the pinnacle. And I think next year he'll see what's out there. And now everybody knows if he has a strong year at Michigan and as everyone's putting their list of candidates together 10 months from now, Miles, Jim Harbaugh's name may be on it if he has another strong year at Michigan. Are, are you still bitter that the Vikings didn't pick him up? Yes. Next yeah. question. Okay. No, I mean, I think it makes sense. I, I think it makes sense. And look, I, I think that Kevin it's O'Connell not can be it's successful. Not... Oh, well, you just said, wait a minute. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't backpedal like Deion Sanders. You just said yes. It was a one word Or like answer. Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> uh, might fall down. Might fall down, go boom. Uh, I, or you I, can get I, your face mask is... ripped. All right. Now, come on now. Well, well, that's true. That's true. How about mm-hmm. in the last play? How about in the last play? You fell down there too. Didn't get face masked. My God, we were talking about that the other day. If... If Joe Burrow had just a little more time and saw Jamar Chase, that would have been an all-time ball in the air. Will he catch it? Will he won't? And if he had dropped that, it it, it makes me think of the awesome Robin Williams, uh, Kurt Russell movie, The Best of Times. I'm sure you didn't see because it was was released in the 1980s. But uh, if, if Jamar Chase had dropped the Super Bowl win on fourth and one, with, with the guy covering him on the ground 30 yards away, that would have been something. Uh, regardless, it's not bitter as much as it's just opportunity missed. And if you re- really are serious about trying to win a Super Bowl, give Harbaugh a shot. Because, you know, two, three years from now, you can go hire the next flavor of the month. Because that's what Kevin O'Connell kind of is. And every year, there's going to be another flavor of the month. Every year, there's going to be the offensive coordinator, the defending Super Bowl champion. You can go hire that guy anytime you want and, and see what happens. I don't know that Kevin O'Connell is destined to become Vince Lombardi or Jim Harbaugh, for that matter. This is the progression of promote a guy who's never been a head coach, hope he can become a head coach. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, maybe he'll good, maybe he won't. And, and we'll just see. And I just I think you need what's what's the what's the crypto pyramid scheme? I'm never going to get a crypto sponsorship if I keep saying this. Fortune favors the brave. Fortune yeah. favors the brave or the bold mm-hmm. or the beautiful or, or both. 
Or the bold and the beautiful, but that's on a different network. The, the brave, the bold, and the beautiful. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I, I understand what you're saying, but I hope that we save this clip for next year when the Vikings win the NFC North and then they, you know, they're hosting a playoff oh. game. I think that'll be really fun. Good, good Lord. The Jaguars would win the NFC North if Aaron Rodgers leaves, so that's not exactly well, that's... an accomplishment. <laughs> well, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals were also in the you know Super Bowl after somebody said they had no shot of making the playoffs. So I guess anything really is possible. Somebody and being you, God they by the way. The Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, well. I'm not going to make an excuse for it. We had to make three picks between two people in a draft, and when we got to round three, Shereen Williams and I both realized one of us is going to be screwed. Because it was easy to identify the four that had no chance. And the four that had no chance from rounds one and two didn't make it. When it got to round three, yeah, it was – it was. Uh, we both were sweating for a little while. She said Panthers, I said Bengals. And thank God they didn't win the, win the Super Bowl. Or I have a feeling that would have resurfaced somewhere. Okay, Zach Taylor, speaking of the Bengals, he signs a contract extension through 2026. He had one year left on his original contract. Hey, it was so bad after two years, they had to put out a statement on Black Monday saying we're not firing Zach Taylor. And we may have had something to do with that. I may have reported on rumors that he – but I, 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 source I trust. Hey, there's talk he's out. There's talk he's out. There's talk he's out. So I wrote there's talk he's out, and they said he's not out. And you have to wonder if the Bengals were the kind of team that was willing to pay buyouts to coaches, would they have fired Zach Taylor after two years? I mean, it was bleak for the Bengals. They had the serious Joe Burrow knee injury. I mean, it was one of those you don't want to watch – the replay of it was an ugly inward bend of the knee and and there was a sense that he wasn't going to be ready for the season he had very limited cameos in the preseason there was a question of whether or not he'd be able to trust his knee when he's in the pocket and then once it was time to play it's like holy crap here we go here we go with joe burrow yeah it, it was and you know what i I give them credit for keeping zach taylor around but i also don't necessarily think that it's it's this thing where we should go, oh, my gosh, well, NFL owners need to start being more patient, right? Like, I, you know, don't fire guys after two years. I think that that was a pretty unique situation. And you look at the Bengals, they're a unique organization in a lot of different respects. And, I mean, you just kind of mentioned the thing about how they may or may not want to pay buyouts, right? Like, I mean, let's just call it what it is. They're, they're one of the cheapest organizations, if not the cheapest organization in the National Football League. So that's part of it. But I also think they had the quarterback. And they were seeing some good things from the quarterback already. And then you have that devastating injury, but the team was still fighting. Right? Like they, they played Pittsburgh extremely well on a Monday night football game you know, at home where Pittsburgh had everything still in front of them. These guys are just kind of playing out the string. They played really, really hard, and they won that game. And I think that if you're, if you're Mike Brown and you're thinking, man, I could make a change or I could not make a change, but I'm seeing them play really well and really hard, for this head coach that probably sticks in the back of your mind. And then Joe Burrow went out there and he gave a pretty rousing endorsement too, for somebody like Zach Taylor. And I, I think that all of that probably had to do with what we saw this year. And I think Zach Taylor's done a great job. They need to get that guy a little bit more help in terms of the offensive line. I think that's something we're about to talk about, but in terms of building a program, seems like things are really on the right track in Cincinnati. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. And the offensive line improvements will be a key part of this, whether it's through the draft, whether it's trading for someone or free agency. And one thing they need to do, we talked about this earlier today on PFT Live, 
They need to rethink their contract structure. They don't guarantee money beyond the first year. That's exactly what they did with Trey Hendrickson last year when they signed him as a free agent. They may need to be more willing to guarantee money into future years. If you don't do it now, you're going to have to do it with Joe Burrow. You may as well go ahead and do it now. Part of the responsibility of having Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase is to do what needs to be done to put the team around them so you can get the most out of what they have brought to the table. Let's put a pin in hearing from Zach Taylor or anyone else about improving the offensive line because we all know that. I'm more intrigued by this piece of sound from earlier today from Bengals coach Zach Taylor on that fateful third and one when Joe Mixon was on the sideline. Samaj Piran was in the game. He got the ball on the handoff and Aaron Donald making one of the plays that frankly should have made him the MVP, keeping Piran short of the sticks. Here's Taylor explaining why it was Samaj Piran and not Joe Mixon on that last third down play. You know, we were in two-minute mode, and, and Samaj has done a great job. You know, his role has really been as a protecting back and a lot of the things that come with that, off of that. And, uh, you know, it was it, – it's one of those situations where, where I called the play, um, you know, a little later on the clock. And, and so, you know, I was the one that said, leave him in there. You know, Justin, Justin asked if we wanted to make a change. Justin Hill, our running back coach. And, and I said, you know, just leave Samaj in there. And, and uh, obviously it didn't work out for us, whether if Joe is in there or not. He's, he's – certainly deserving of the opportunity and a key moment and a key game to try to get it for us as our feature back. Um, but again, that's just one of the decisions you make in the moment and, and you got to move forward with it. Um, there's other things I certainly could have done over the course of the game that would have put us in a better position and, and unfortunately didn't get it done. Hey, you know, I like the fact that he owned it. And, and if it had worked, it would have been a genius move. Nobody would have expected a run to Samaj P run on third and short. You pop it through, you get the first down. I mean, like a play or two before that, I'm thinking, holy crap, they're going to score a touchdown and win the game. Forget about the field goal. And that drive mm-hmm. petered out so fast, thanks to Aaron Donald. He makes the stop of Piran on third and one, and then he, he harasses Burrow. And, you know, I, I've gone back and looked at that a few times, and maybe I need to watch the coach's film. Damn, that ball that Burrow threw in desperation, that was almost caught by Samaj Piran. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like a ball that was the, the last shot out of a Roman candle, as John Madden used to say. It had a weird chance of connecting with Pirine. No, it totally did. And, like, that was one of the wild things about that play is that there really was a chance when he let that ball go that things could have, keep, that things could have kept progressing um, for the Cincinnati Bengals there. But, you know, it's like when you talked about uh, Jalen Ramsey possibly getting burnt by Jamar Chase at the end of the game there, right? Like, at the same time, you have Aaron Donald, and he does Aaron Donald things. It's why he is the best player in the world. And so when he beats the guard, when he he starts spinning Joe Burrow around. That's just kind of the thing that happens. Aaron Donald makes things happen, and it's why he is so good, and it's why we consider him to be one of the greatest players is because things happen because of him. But I I do like the accountability from Zach Taylor in basically just saying, like, hey, this is one of those decisions that I made, and we've got to live with it, and then we'll learn from it, and we'll get better from it. And I I think that sometimes coaches don't like to do that, but I think that that bit of honesty – when you're talking to the media and you're reflecting on what happened, what didn't happen over the course of the Super Bowl, I think that that instills confidence in a leader, not just from you know people who are around and people who might hear him say it, but also from the players, right? And it instills that sense of accountability that everybody has to have for decisions that they make, plays they may or may not make, or things that they may or may not have done, right? So I, I thought that that was really good from Zach Taylor there. Um. 
We got to take a break, but I need to go back and watch that third down play again because, man, it was awfully close to the sticks. And I and then you see the fourth down play. I don't know if the spot was as good as it really could have been after the Piron mm-hmm. run. It looked like he was closer to the line to gain than that. Because if it's close enough, you, you bring Joe Mixon in and you run it. Or you do a quarterback sneak. You don't throw the ball when you know Aaron Donald is going to blast through. You know, you give, Dar- you give Aaron Donald a legacy opportunity, and that was a clear legacy opportunity, throwing the ball on fourth and short with the Super Bowl Absolutely. on the line. Of course yes. Aaron Donald's going to make a play. Wow. No. Uh, lot, a lot of different things as time passes to torment Zach Taylor and the rest of the Bengals because they could have won that game, whether it's not getting a touchdown on that drive at the start of the third quarter following the second Matthew Stafford interception. Aaron Donald steps up with two sacks on that drive to thwart it or that final drive when it really started to feel like, here we go, the Bengals are going to force overtime or win the game in regulation. It just went flat. And Zach Taylor, congratulations, you got a contract extension, but condolences because you're going to be carrying that around for the rest of your life, wondering if you handled those last two plays the way you should have. Jeez, um, Mike. Yeah, it's true. Hey, man, it's true. Look, I'm not. It's true. I would be tormented for the rest of my life. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you constantly be saying, I wish I would have done that differently? I know I would. No, uh, uh, you know, Mike, one of the things that has stayed with me um, from Super Bowl 53 is getting back on the plane back to Los Angeles and seeing the look on Sean McVay's face of just basically what you just said, stuff that, you know, is going to stay with you for the rest of your life because you had a chance to win a Super Bowl and you didn't do enough to get it done. So I can imagine that Zach Taylor is certainly feeling some of that despite also getting a contract extension. Well, and and uh, yeah, I think back to Super Bowl 53, and I remember asking Zach Taylor about this right after he got the Bengals job, and he wasn't as candid as maybe he could have been, wasn't nearly as candid as he was today. Jared Goff misses Brandon Cooks. He's wide open. Wide open. And on a play that they had run in the first half, the same damn play, Cooks is wide open, and Goff doesn't see him in time, and then he throws the ball a little bit to the side, and one of the McCordys runs over. I think it was Jason. One of the McCordys runs over and breaks it up. That was a championship throw, and Goff didn't make it. So anyway, anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. Uh, Bengals, maybe you can wash the nasty taste out of your mouth as soon as next year. Let's take a break. The Cowboys in a little hot water, and one of the reasons why the other owners have been protecting Daniel Snyder, it's not because they like Daniel Snyder, it's they don't want to find themselves in a similar jackpot. Jerry Jones may have one in Dallas. We'll explain when PFTPM continues right after this. Well, uh, this one came out of nowhere today thanks to Don Van Natta of ESPN. And the Dallas Cowboys paid, according to ESPN.com, and they, they, they've seen the documents. And, you know, this isn't just whispers and anonymity. They've, they've, they've confirmed all of this. $2.4 million was handed over to settle allegations of locker room voyeurism allegedly conducted by former PR executive Rich Dalrymple, who retired a few weeks ago, he allegedly recorded cheerleaders while they were changing for an event at AT AT&T Stadium in 2015. There's also an allegation in the report that Rich Dalrymple, and, you know, this this is, it's just bizarre. A fan was watching a live stream of the draft in 2015 and executed an affidavit that he saw Dalrymple using his phone under the table to take upskirt photos of Charlotte Jones Anderson, who is the daughter of Jerry Jones and a Cowboys executive. It is just weird. Um, And one of the issues in all of this is timing. 
There's a suggestion that Dalrymple didn't retire until after the Cowboys were aware that ESPN was working on this report, even though this happened in 2015 and it was settled in 2015. And the Cowboys say in a statement that they found no wrongdoing. Well, 2.4 million is a lot of pay. It's a lot to pay if you found no wrong. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot to settle uh, when you have come to the conclusion after doing an exhaustive investigation that there was no wrongdoing. So something about this, Miles, uh, doesn't sit right. And, and the other thing that bothers me, I'm going to go back to 2017 when Jerry Richardson ultimately gave up the control of the Carolina Panthers and sold the team. These non-disclosure agreements, and I know that they can be problematic, but when you retain a lawyer to represent you in negotiations with someone who has wronged you, and the end result is going to be the payment of money, part of what the company is paying for is your silence. When you choose to accept that, you have an obligation to honor it. There's a difference between a heavy-handed contract of adhesion, take it or leave it. If you want your $5,000 severance, you got to send the NDA and you can't talk to anybody, can't call a lawyer, can't do anything. That's different. That's wrong. When somebody's represented by counsel and it's a major settlement, four different cheerleaders got $400,000 each as a result of this, and they were represented by lawyers. When you give your word as part of that settlement that you're not going to talk about it, it bothers me. When people talk about it, just the passage of time does not make it okay to talk about it. And one of the things that used to give me nightmares with the people I represented when I was practicing law, because it's a very common term. You don't want people to know if you're the one who's paying the settlement that there's easy, easy money potentially to be gotten if we make some allegations. So they always want confidentiality, Miles. And I always worried that one of my clients was going to run their mouth and then they were going to have to pay all the money back because that's typically the punishment if you run your mouth. So uh, I, I just... I, I don't like NDAs when they are forced upon an employee who doesn't have the benefit of the advice of legal counsel. When you have somebody who is represented by counsel and it's gone through a process and it's been resolved that way, you have an obligation to honor it. If you wanted to tell your story, don't take the money. Once you take the money, you acquire an obligation to not talk about it. And that's what bothers me about situations like this, because we shouldn't have known about this because these folks were represented by counsel who negotiated the deal. Right. And I think that makes sense. And I think that you are pointing out a pretty stark difference there when you're talking about being represented by counsel and something that is negotiated versus something that isn't. But now that we do know about this, I mean, Mike, what do you think is the next step in terms of what the NFL may or may not do for something like this? Well, I'm checking my email here again. I sent Brian McCarthy, my usual contact, an email seeking if they have comment about the Cowboys situation, and he hasn't responded yet. Here's how the dance goes. I have to remember to send him a follow-up, and he probably won't respond to that one. And then if I remember to send the third follow-up, I'll get maybe a terse no comment or, you know, something, something. Um but I usually have to remember to do it three times. And if it sounds ridiculous, it is. And I'm sorry to be blowing up the strategy for dealing with me, but it is asinine. And then they wonder why maybe sometimes I'm a little more aggressive in my opinions than I should be. They're making my job harder. Just tell me no comment right out of the gates. Why are we doing this? Why are we playing this game where I have to remember to ask you two or three times? And I know Brian McCarthy's busy, but he also knows that everybody in the league reads PFT. So when he gets a question from me, it'd be nice if he would answer it and not force me to remember to ask it two or three times. It's kind of childish, isn't it? Am I wrong to say that? No comment. 
Okay, <laughs> that's good. At least I didn't have to ask you again tomorrow. Thank you for responding to my question. Very well done. Um, and, and I don't want to make light of any of this. It's a serious issue. You would think, you would think that the league would have a comment about this. And they wouldn't be playing a shell game with me because they know I'm busy. Forcing me to remember to ask again. Forcing me to remember to ask again. Hoping they can hide their head in the sand on this one. This is a serious issue. And this is exactly why. And I know this for a fact because I've been very curious. Why are they protecting Daniel Snyder? Why are they going along with hiding the information about the investigation that was conducted into workplace misconduct and sexual harassment over a period of 10 years or more? Why? Why? They don't like Daniel Snyder. They don't respect Daniel Snyder. They don't. Generally, they don't. That's the sense I've gotten over the years. He's not a popular person among his fan base. He's not a popular person among his business partners. I don't know where he's a popular person anywhere. So uh, they're protecting themselves because they don't want to be in a situation where a disgruntled employee decides to start making accusations and all, all a little bit of one of them has to do is stick. And then the next thing you know, you got an, an outside lawyer who shows up talking to a bunch of people, asking about a bunch of questions like getting audited by the IRS. Nobody wants that. Even if you got nothing to hide, even if you're clean, even if you've done everything right, you don't want somebody looking for something because there's a sense that even if there's nothing there, they don't justify their existence without looking for something. And maybe they'll find something that isn't there. And then I got to worry about having to sell my team if it all goes sideways on me. Nobody wants that. And here's an example of what they don't want. They don't want this kind of scrutiny. They don't want this talk about NDAs. This is exactly the thing. When the Jerry Richardson situation happened in 2017, I said, holy crap, uh uh-oh, they're going to start blowing up these NDAs and others are going to have to worry. How about Jerry Jones? And that was the first name, the first, I don't want to defame him here, but the first name that came up with the issue of people who may have things to worry about. And we've seen the photos published before, right? The first guy that may have to worry about anything is Jerry Jones. Now, the irony, if that's the right word to use here, and I never know whether it is, is that it wasn't anything he did. But he had some NDAs out there. They paid $2.4 million. $2.4 million. 1.21 gigawatts. I mean, that's a lot of money to pay for something that they contend resulted in the finding of no wrongdoing. So that's why they are protecting Daniel Snyder, Miles, because they know that they could end up in a similar problem. And uh, I, I don't know where this goes from here. I don't know what else is out there. Are there other NDAs we don't know about? Does this embolden other people to breach their agreements? Again, I, I'm, I'm really torn here because I think people need to honor their lawyer-negotiated agreements. But I'm very curious now what else is out there. Well, right. I, I don't think that saying that, you know, you want people to honor lawyer agreements, uh, negotiated agreements, rather, is something that makes it okay for people to do heinous stuff, right? You know, you're being accused of going into the cheerleaders' dressing room and filming them. That, that's some heinous stuff that is in that accusation there and that may or may not have happened. And according to the Cowboys' investigation, as you just said, Mike, they found no wrongdoing. But if there is no wrongdoing and you're still paying out that much money, it begs the question, well, like, what exactly are you paying for aside from their silence? So I, I just... I feel like it's this principle of, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, right? I mean, how many times have we heard that growing up and people say it and all of those kinds of things? They mean it, I think, in this particular situation when it comes to NFL ownership, in Daniel Snyder in particular. There are probably other organizations out there who have had situations that they do not want to become public. 
And this qualifies with the Cowboys as one of those situations. And I'm going to choose my words extremely carefully here, and I know we have to take a break. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to say it today. I don't, I'm not going to say okay. it. I may say it another day. I'm not going to say it. I am, I am choosing to exercise discretion. For the good of the show, I don't want Miles to have to go back to work for the Rams. I, I, I wanted to be able to continue with PFT. I don't want the entire operation to implode because of something that I said, because I have kind of an idea, but I'm just going to, I'm going to let it marinate, percolate, whatever other word would properly fit what I'm going to do by keeping my mouth shut for now. Let's take a break. When we return, Deshaun Watson, what's going on with him? And how is this going to proceed? Now that the quarterback carousel is going to start spinning, when can he find a seat? When can a team give him a seat? We'll discuss that when PFTPM continues. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reported earlier today that Deshaun Watson has the Buccaneers and the Vikings on his radar as potential trade destinations. I haven't written about that at PFT yet because to me it's irrelevant. I know we're talking about it here, but we're talking about it for one reason primarily is for me to say it's irrelevant until we know whether or not he's going to be prosecuted for felony charges because the grand jury still hasn't finished its work until we know whether or not he's going to settle the 22 lawsuits pending against him it doesn't matter where he would go doesn't matter he ain't going nowhere miles until these these other issues get resolved and the problem is teams like the buccaneers and the vikings are going to have to make other plans before the Deshaun Watson situation can resolve itself. And the other urgency here for the Texans is $35 million salary fully guaranteed for 2022 for Deshaun Watson. So they have urgency. Lovey Smith, the coach of the team, said so yesterday. Not that he really has any juice there. This is all Nick Casario, Jack East to be Cal McNair, I think. But these things need to get resolved. And I'm in the process of trying to figure out where it all stands and how close it is to getting done. One thing about the civil litigation the day after the Super Bowl, the window opened on Deshaun Watson to be questioned under oath in what they call a deposition aggressively by Tony Busby about the 22 cases against him. And it may be that Watson has to suffer through that before he gets to the point where this is going to be done. And I'm not I'm not suggesting he deserves any sympathy, but it is part of the process that is not enjoyable for anyone. And he's going to have to do it. One of the reasons he's going to have to do it is he didn't settle the cases earlier. And the sooner they settle these cases, the better off he is and the more equipped he will be to continue his career somewhere, Miles. Well, Mike, I mean, you've been saying that for the better part of the last year, that, that, Deshaun, that the sooner that these cases get resolved, the better off it's going to be for Deshaun Watson. I mean, obviously, a year ago at this time, we didn't know about all of these, all of these women who would accuse him of sexual misconduct. But I mean, like I said, it, it's been the better part of a year now that we've been talking about this and we've known about this and that we knew Deshaun Watson was still not going to play another down for the Houston Texans. So 
If I'm the Texans and if I'm Lovey Smith, I understand the desire to want to get a resolution to not only Deshaun Watson's cases, but then also what his situation is subsequently on the playing field as soon as possible. And it appears that they're content to at least go right now with Davis Mills. And I can understand why he played a lot better during that back half of the season. The last five games, they elevated Pep Hamilton uh, to offensive coordinator after he did such good work with Davis Mills. But there is still this guy in Deshaun Watson who is out there to be traded for future assets as soon as these cases get resolved. But you're right. that That's the first thing that ever has to happen in order for the rest of the things that have to do with football though, for those things to happen. And I can see why the Buccaneers would potentially have interest in Deshaun Watson. In fact, it was Ian Rappaport, one of the Super Sunday Splash reports, that the Buccaneers would consider trading for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson to fill the Tom Brady void. But Minnesota has Kirk Cousins under contract at $35 million for 2022. Now, are we talking about Deshaun Watson for Kirk Cousins straight up? I don't know, right? I don't know how that would play out. But uh, you've got a guy in Minnesota with a $35 million contract already. You're bringing in a guy who's due to make $35 million. You can't have both. you got to have a plan for Kirk Cousins before you would open the door for Deshaun Watson. And regardless of whether or not these claims get worked out, you may have ownership groups out there that aren't comfortable with Deshaun Watson based upon the things we already know that he admitted to doing, not just the stuff that he allegedly did. Speaking of the Buccaneers, the I saw that there was a report from Greg Allman of The Athletic that Brady is either going to come back to the Buccaneers or retire that he's not going to try to push his way to another team. Well, maybe he doesn't need to try to push his way to another team. Maybe the idea here is he stays retired long enough for the Buccaneers to go out and make plans that would be irreversible if he decided to come back. Then the natural outcome is he wants to play. We don't have a spot for you. It's like the, the situation the Packers had when Brett Favre tried to unretire. They had already committed to Aaron Rodgers. You may already have a commitment to Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. So if Tom Brady decides in July that he wants to play – then a trade to San Francisco becomes – I'm telling you, I think it's going to end up I'm, – I'm shooting my shot here. I think he's the quarterback of the 49ers week one. I think that's oh. what's going to happen. I, and, and the way it happens is Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded, the 49ers begin getting ready for the Trey Lance era, and the Buccaneers make alternative plans with a veteran quarterback. Tom Brady decides, start a training camp, he wants to come back, and it's just like Brett Favre in 2008 – and, and the 49ers say, hey, Trey, you know, you get to learn for a year behind Tom Brady and let's go win a Super Bowl. And uh, how could they say no to him? They said no to him two years ago. And, and look what happened. They, I, think, I think they would have won at least one Super Bowl if they had brought Tom Brady to town in 2020. Ooh. Mark it down, Wednesday, February 16th, 5.53 uh, p.m. Eastern time. Mike Florio says that Tom Brady is going to be the starting 49ers I did not, quarterback. I did not say he's going to be. the San Francisco 49ers. I, oh, okay. I'm not reporting I, I, it. I just have a, all right. I have a, a feeling. Think, you think you think it, huh? I have a feeling. I, I have okay. a feeling that it's going to happen. Right. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I wonder what the odds are. That, what are that plus 3,000? I'd put a few bucks on that. I don't know what the odds are Tom Brady taking his next step with the 49ers, but I kind of like those odds, whatever they may be. Let's take a break, and we'll answer some of your questions. Not from today. We had some left over from yesterday. So, you know, it's, it's like day-old bread, day-old pizza. It's still good. We'll do it when PFTPM continues right after.
Some mailbag questions as we wrap up this Wednesday edition of the program. Tyler Hergert asks, who is forced to sell their team first, Stephen Ross or Daniel Snyder? I'll say Ross, and I'll say he won't have to be forced. I think that they'll have a Nixonian conversation with Stephen Ross at some point where they say, here's how it's going to go. You really don't want to do this, and you don't want us finalizing an investigation that an ambitious prosecutor could then co-opt as the blueprint for indicting you for violation of the Federal Sports Bribery Act. You should just sell your team. And he already has an arrangement with Bruce Beal, his minority partner, who's going to buy the team when Stephen Ross dies. That He's already said he's not going to sell it in his lifetime. So Ross dies, Beal buys the team. Ross may need to accelerate that timetable, not on the dying part, on the selling the team part, and hand it to Beal and walk away. And I think if, if he knows what he's facing, Miles, he'll do it. Daniel Snyder, on the other hand, he's going to fight everyone. And he's going to, it's going to, you're going to have to pry that team from his cold, dead hands. He's not giving up his team. He wants to give it to his kids. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Look, the, it's, the, it's the accusation of the tanking and the $100,000 per loss that's really going to do Ross. And I don't think the defense of if he actually goes this way of, I was joking, is really going to make much of a difference. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's probably going to be Stephen Ross. And I tell you what, I don't rule out the possibility of Daniel Snyder trying to reach some sort of an arrangement where he just steps aside Eddie DeBartolo style and hands mm. the keys to his wife, who later gives the team to the kids, and he just agrees to be a ghost moving forward and let his family run the team. That's not impossible either. Tobias Cobert, do you guys hear anything about Eric Bieniemy and his contract with the Chiefs? Is he staying or leaving? Last I saw, he was going to meet with Big Red, Andy Reid, and figure out the future. Kind of weird. Contract's up. And uh, the enemy may have to go elsewhere. And, the, and the, the seats are filling up. This is bizarre to me, Miles. Well, I, I do think that if they had known that the enemy was going to go someplace else or the enemy was going to leave or if they planned for him to leave, then they wouldn't let Mike Kafka get out of the building because he was the quarterback's coach, the most natural successor to Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator. He is now with the Giants as the offensive coordinator. So I don't – I think that the enemy is going to be back and I don't really see why he would go elsewhere at this point. I'd love to attach some owners to a lie detector test and see why in the hell Eric Benemy hasn't gotten a shot yet. The way it was explained to me is people just aren't ready to make that bet that he can go from coordinator to head coach. Bizarre. Well, they make that bet with all sorts of other guys. I don't know why Kevin they aren't O'Connell. making it with him. A guy, who, a, guy, a guy who's worked with Patrick Mahomes for his entire career and would, would maybe know how to run an offense somewhere else. That's it for now. Miles, great job. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.